As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. So City's lead is back to six points at the top of the table and if there were concerns about the performances against Spurs and Everton they've surely been eased by a dominant display in the Manchester derby. By the end it was like a cat toying with a mouse as Pep Guardiola's side completed an emphatic victory. Welcome to this week's Why Always Us. This is your Manchester City podcast from The Athletic. I'm David Mooney. With me is The Athletic City correspondent Eamon Holmes. <laughs> uh, sorry Sam Lee. How you doing Sam? Yeah good. I'm, I'm, sure, I'm sure people understand that reference. If, if you if you listen to this, you probably follow me on Twitter. But if not, um, well, un- unlucky, really. <laughs> I was going to say it's a joke for about six people, isn't it? So uh, that's, I like to start. Oh, I with enjoyed it. Niche. I enjoyed yeah. it. Uh, if you're not I will have a day off after this. <laughs> if you're not already a subscriber to The Athletic, you can read all of our articles on City as well as everything else on the site by going to theathletic.com forward slash mancitypod. And right now you can sign up for a special price of just £1 a month for six months. Just go to theathletic.com forward slash mancitypod. Um, let's start with the uh, with the derby and the, uh, the reaction to that, Sam, because first things first, the performance should settle some nerves after the displays against Spurs and Everton. Uh, they were a bit iffy. The, the derby won... I mean, it just wasn't, was it? That's that that that, that was a big thing. What what changed? Do you think? Yeah, it's, well, it's interesting that you say um, like the response because obviously after you know, well, my article from the Everton game was about the response because after City beat Chelsea and everyone said the title was done, and you actually probably hear from my voice. Yes, I'm in again. Um, everyone said the title was done. Guardiola was like, "Look, it's obviously not. We'll drop points. We'll lose games, but it's all about how we react." And I know that we react well. Um, because we've done it before. So obviously then after losing to Tottenham, all eyes were on Everton. And, you know, it wasn't great, was it, for all the reasons we discussed last week and all the reasons that people have in their own heads. Um, But then I suppose part of that reaction is you look at it now and the Peterborough game was not good viewing, was it? It was horrible, quite frankly, to watch. Like, it just wasn't fun. Um, But now this, and it's three wins in a row. And we don't know where where it's going to go next. But in terms of the reaction... It's not just the one game, is it? It's it's putting the wins together again. Um, but in terms of what changed and your question, we'll get into all the good things that City did. Um, but I mean, you'd, you'd have to say what, what changed from Tottenham, what changed from Everton, what changed from Peterborough. And look, I know a lot of people will be thinking, Bernardo's position, he went back into midfield and that, that I'm sure is part of it. But United didn't play like the other teams. 
United didn't sit back and and make it, you know, five at the back, block all the spaces. And that's why, you know, even Peterborough, and I, I, I say that with respect, but even Peterborough in the sense that they're bottom of the championship, they can frustrate you if they dig in and fill the gaps and battle. And it can be difficult. And obviously we saw that that, that it was in midweek. Um, and that's how United have, have done it. Like the record at, at the Etihad in derbies recently, it's like scandalous really, isn't it? Like the 4-1 from yesterday, that's how it should be. That's how it should have been for like the last five years. Yeah. And I'm not saying the United haven't deserved their wins because I think in every case, I think they have. Like it's been one of those where, okay, they've not, you know, they've not come and played brilliant football, but they've done their job perfectly and they've made City look really poor, which isn't easy. Yeah. So fair play. But if you're looking at the position of the teams and the clubs, as you know, there was another Sky inquest into United afterwards and it's just, it's always the same. It's always the same thing. But it's, these, the game should always go like this. Um, but yeah, part of the difference was United didn't kind of part the bus and, and make it difficult and play on the break because as we discussed that that can cause a lot of problems yeah. so well then, i've had then, i've had like, this I've, I've had this in my armory from uh from last night because i uh, i listened to the press conference and i love uh, guardiola when he's in this mood i wasn't expecting to play it this early but this this was what guardiola said about when he was asked about his record after the game uh, and i just i want to play i just wanted to play it at some point in this show because uh, I, I i love him when he's when he's feeling like this i wasn't born in manchester and i know for the fans what they feel to be united is a little bit different of me but I cannot deny the last five years, we got just six years, we just won in the Premier League here. Against United at home, I said, oh, what happened? The truth is that the last years when we lost against them, we were already champion. And today we played for, if we don't win, we'll be, yeah, and you know, we have to win all the games to be champion. So there's a, there's a little bit of mitigating circumstances from Pep's point of view. That uh, his bad record is, is largely because the games at the Etihad haven't really meant as much as the games at Old Trafford. Yeah, Um yeah, and I'm sure, I mean, I know plenty of City fans who, you know, criticised him last year for, he didn't move the team around too much last season, did he? But they always kind of criticised him because you, you know, early, earlier in the season, even when United playing Bruges in midweek and then yeah. it was United at the weekend and he was like, well, Bruges is the most important game. Strictly from a point of view of it's the next game, but also, well, you know, there's fewer opportunities to get this right in the Champions League. But if we lose against United at the weekend, then, you know, there's another... 30 odd games but I know like people don't always like his approach to derbies and when he says you know we, we've have we've had the league wrapped up maybe that's part of his psychology as well um, or maybe it's just the players or maybe it's both or whatever but yeah they knew yesterday they had to win because they needed to win all the games and I suppose that's a, a, ni- a nice little way to package it but going back to what I was saying in terms of the difference in between the recent games and yesterday and it being United in terms of their approach wasn't the same as the other games. But obviously, United did cause City problems, probably, probably for about, I'd say, half an hour. Because at half-time, I was thinking, United were probably just as good. Yeah. I, and then, and then yeah, I was like, actually, it probably yeah. wasn't the full half. It was probably the first half an hour they were just as good. City I, were a bit better in the last 15. I felt like as soon as, when City went 2-1 up, I felt like... Um, I wasn't a hundred percent that City deserved to be in front at that point. I didn't think they deserved to be behind, but I wasn't a hundred percent. Like I, yeah. I felt, I felt like they'd they they worked hard to get in front, but it wasn't exactly like they had they'd battered United and dominated at that point. But from two one onwards in that first half, I thought City were all over them. Yeah, exactly, pretty much, and like it, it kept being said in commentary. Um, you know, the next goal's big, and obviously it always is, but. I kind of knew what they meant, but 
I got the feeling, even if United did score, let's just say on the break, um, which it probably it, w- it would have had to have been really in the second half. Um, I still had the feeling that City would just go and score again in the same way that when Sancho scored, I was like, right, okay. But it feels like City, although they're not getting through all the time, although it's not the usual pattern of a City match, maybe because it's not the usual pattern, because they're not attacking a block. You know, they were they have, they were having to work hard for the spaces to exploit, but they did it well. And it was basically the first time they came forward, wasn't it? They scored the first goal after yeah. five minutes. And you just think, I'm sure they'll just keep doing that. Um, and that's that's basically how it how it played out, and the diff- obviously the difference between what we were talking about there, you know, because in that first half an hour, it wasn't just oh United were as good as City, but obviously within that there were parts where United were better, and there were parts where City were better, but you wouldn't necessarily expect that given you know the quality or whatever the position of the two teams, but also the fact that United played in such a different way, in a more kind of proactive way, and and it worked for a bit was interesting, but then not like I say a bit like by by the end, it was kind of every bit as dominant as the as the game in November. Yeah. Um, which was obviously like probably one of the most well, probably the most dominant derby performance ever, maybe. Just because it you know, it was a complete strangulation for ninety minutes. And yeah, there's the six one and there's been bigger results, you know, there's been three one and and other other big results over the even going back, you know, to, to the fives. But in terms of that domination, it was incredible. And then yesterday, by the second half, it, it reached that. It that became standard. that again, yeah. Um, I just want to play this, and this was what Guardiola said after the game uh, about uh, the difference between the first half and the second half, because obviously the, the second half was the, was the point at which City took real control of the game. Um, this is what, uh, what Pep said. Well, I would say it's not great part of the first half. We struggle to make a better build-up, to drop them or bring them in their half. But I think they create much problem, so not much. But this is true that the first half we scored a goal more in action for the run, the counter-attack, and the second half we adjust defensively one thing and offensively the spaces where they were and, and they were really really well. And I we felt it since the first minute of the second half that we had the that the game in hand. Of course, it's two one always is open, but the third one and in control that we have um, today the most. I think the best thing we have done, especially second half, is we play with the, the the rhythms that we have to play. So there is one rhythm in the first that has to be more slowly, more patient, and read exactly where are the spaces. And when they decide to jam, and we can find the players like Phil, like uh, Bernardo, or Kevin, or Jack in the pockets after the moment to run, and we really really well. We cannot play all the time in one rhythm. So John to Ederson, Aime, Eddie, John. Kyle again in the right moment when we hadn't run and today we did it really really well. I'm, I'd, I'd like to kind of get into what changed because mm-hmm. when when I when I sit back to to think about how how the game went from from my memory uh, uh, that passage of play he was talking about there where it was Edison to Stones to Walker to Stones to Edison to Laporte to Cancelo to like along the back line there were some spells in the first kind of fifteen minutes where City did that about four or five times it felt like they did it a lot more than they would normally and United were doing a lot of running between those players admittedly not getting that near to the ball but there was there, there's always the opportunity in those situations where one pass goes astray or it's a little bit too hard or it's under pressure and it you know it bounces away 
suddenly United have got the ball high up the pitch. It happened, I think, once uh, when uh, City tried to play it out and they played it into Foden um, uh, in the first half. Anyway, in the second mm-hmm. half, he turned and the uh, he turned into trouble. And yeah, uh, I just saw that bit watching the game um, back. But in, like, that was kind of like the first 10, 15 minutes or so where United were doing that. And I was thinking, at that time, I was thinking, City have got a lot of the ball, which is which is what they want. Yeah. Um, but then they're normally, when they're, when they're doing these passes, they're normally on the halfway line and they're about 20 yards uh, deeper at the minute. And that kind of, that feels a bit like trouble. But then by, by the time the second goal went in, and as I said, I felt like City were a lot more um, dominant after the second goal. They were making those passes on, on halfway and they were, they were pushing United back a bit more. And I can't decide if United had kind of tied themselves out by chasing shadows in that a lot deeper and had decided a lot higher up and had decided to drop a bit deeper, um, or if if City were were kind of controlling it a lot more to be able to push them back, and then by the second half, I mean the second half, the, the half time changed things anyway. Guardiola said he changed one thing defensively there. I'm not sure what he did, and I, I don't know if you've I don't know if you can shed any light on that either. Um, but he, they made the changes. The second half comes along. Um, you said a, a, a few minutes ago it, it was kind of ultimate kind of domination in that second half, um, and then kind of Rangnick makes his makes his double change, and that that I think was that played into City's hands because they felt like there was so much more space after that that mm. that double change, and City just went right, okay, well if you're going to give us space in in your half, we'll just keep doing this, and then the number of times after that change that Foden and, and De Bruyne and um, and Grealish especially were on the ball in the United half in acres of space. I, I just thought like that it can't have been an accident that that um, that that city were able to find those spaces again and again and again when they couldn't in the first 10 15 20 minutes or so do you know what I mean yeah so there's obviously there is a lot to unpack um I think there's kind of three three reasons I could kind of pinpoint but they're not specific tactical ones what well, ones one's a bit tactical um you know the, the the other one's kind of you know mental and whatever. And having said that, I'm, I'm going to have to hope I can remember the third one as I'm talking. <laughs> I'm pretty sure because I can't now. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that when we asked, we talked about this beforehand, and well, everything you just spelled out there, and what Guardiola said has kind of overwhelmed me slightly. Um, Sorry, in, no, no. But in, so in terms of the defensive thing that Guardiola mentioned, look, I've no idea whether he actually means defensively, as in you know we put Laporte five yards further out to the left or pressing but um Foden's pressing is phenomenal and I think yeah. the fact that he's the false nine at the moment is you obviously you mentioned that time when he turned into trouble but the amount of times he dropped deep yesterday I think he had to drop deep yesterday um to get the ball it, he's, he's so good at that element of it he's so good at linking up with others in, in tight areas which I think is where the goals came from in the first half um Bernardo coming up into that inside channel on the left with Grealish and Foden getting over there as well. They really worked hard there and he's so good at that. But in terms of the pressing, I, mean, I don't know if it's particularly the second half, but certainly this happened in the second half. Him kind of starting from a right position and when United centre-backs have got it, him, him running from right to left, which forces them to Wan-Bissaka. And then Grealish is kind of waiting and then he goes to Wan-Bissaka and you know, Wan-Bissaka is not the best on the ball. He's, you know, the criticism he gets is more, I think, he can't really cross and attack. But in terms of being on the ball, it's not, um, it's, it's not a huge strength for him. So as soon as it got to him, it was like, right, he's under pressure now because Grealish is there. And then the options were under pressure. And obviously sometimes United were able to play out. But often City were able to stop United playing out from even there. And maybe that was 
the one thing they changed at halftime. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I've I noticed that in terms of United's changes, like United didn't change an awful lot, you know, in the first however many minutes of the second half up until the third goal, really. They were still committed to make it really difficult for City to play out. So they always had a man on Rodri, which, you know, is is is... The the key to stopping City off in the season has been stopping Rodri, which is obvious because you know you just stop the defensive midfielder getting it and dictating the play. Whoever whoever the team is, if they like to have the ball, yeah. Um, but you know when it's Southampton, they weren't so much putting a man on him, but you know the two men on the between the centre backs and Rodri, so they couldn't pass to him, and then you know somebody would come and press him afterwards. But United you know, had one man on him. They also had a man on Bernardo, and they had a man on De Bruyne. So, they, so City could never really cleanly play through the middle. But what they always tried was basically Edison waiting until Walker was in space, knocking it to Walker. Walker would then knock it back inside to De Bruyne because, like, if Fred's on De Bruyne and then Walker gets it, Fred would have to go out wide yeah, towards Walker. Then kind of while he's chasing it, Walker heads it back over him and De Bruyne gets the ball. He's in space in the middle. And that's and, how they had yeah. to do it. Actually, now you say that, that, I, that, there were so many times in that first half I, when I was when I was talking about the the passing across the back and across the box. It was that they it, like they did it three or four times, and then the the out ball every time was Edison over the top of whoever was uh, kind of trying yeah. to press stones into Walker, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. and and that's where I think maybe the the patience comes into it that Guardiola mentioned. You know, they have to play; they can't just play in one rhythm. And I think by that he means we can't just get it forward all the time because obviously you know that ties into the whole thing of the quicker we attack the, the quicker they attack kind of thing you know and it becomes a basketball game transitions he doesn't like it um, and the interesting thing about that was Mares did a post-match interview which I don't remember too much although I mean I don't watch too many games on TV obviously um, but he did a post-match interview and they asked him about it and he was like yeah, we you know we had, we had, we were more patient. We had more control. And I was like, if ever that's an example of like the beauty of the city team, like if you think about when Mara signed, um, and he took and you know all all the suggestions were kind of oh he's not going to fit in. You know he's too individualistic. Um, he's used to playing on the counter attack, more space. You know, big fish, small pond. All the stuff <laughs> that people say about Grealish, all the stuff that people say about Grealish, which is again, which is why I've not had a bad word to say about Grealish this season because I just think he's going to be absolutely fine. And obviously, we saw we saw a big suggestion of that yesterday. Yeah. Um, but in terms of Mares, like all these ideas that people had, and now three years down the line, I mean, you could argue that Mares is, if not the best player, you could say the most dangerous or the most lethal or whatever. And even he's saying, yeah, it was back patience and control. It's just that is the group think that happens at City. Everybody's got the same idea, and like, they're obviously they're Guardiola's ideas, aren't they? But they they all trickle down. And they knew what they needed to do. And I think in the first half, so what Guardiola is talking about, so this would be one of the the changes, really. They they were patient. So you think, how does it actually look? But it is just playing the ball around at the back. Yeah. You know, just, just go, just wait, just wait with the centre backs if you want. Like if Laporte plays it to Stones and then gets it back and then gives it back to Stones and then it goes to Cancelo and it comes back in, Laporte doesn't need to think. I'd better play that killer pass now because what what are we doing here? Just wait. Just wait for that space to open up. Give it to Edison. And then if Edison could go out wide to Walker, then brilliant. And I mean, that is what they did. Like Because United still made it very difficult to play through the middle for like half an hour that second half. It wasn't like United changed anything. Or City, I mean, I'm sure somebody with a better tactical brain than me would be able to say, actually, they did this. And they, that's why they had a bit more space and they attracted him here. But I think it was just that patience and just waiting for the spaces to open up. Um, 
And again, why was this re- result different to or performance different to recent ones? You know, because United weren't sitting back; they they did leave their spaces there on the break. Um, but yeah, that that patience was a big part of it. And I suppose yeah. the other thing is, like talking about Foden's pressing there and how good he is at it. Um, and obviously, like you, you get that with a, a lot of cities forwards; they they know what they're doing, don't they? Even if it's not Foden and Gabriel Jesus in terms of like they're super intense, they you know they know the job they have to do. But then if you look at United's players, and this isn't necessarily criticism, it's just kind of a fact, really. But what they tried to do yesterday because of you know different circumstances and injuries and whatever, obviously they had Pogba and Fernandez as kind of the two forwards, really. And Alanga and Sancho. That's that's not going to get you. You know, you're not going to be able to stop City with that kind of combination of, of player. It's, it's, they haven't got the kind of defensive mindset for it and I mean look maybe United fans or United players or whatever could listen to this and get what you're talking about but Bruno Fernandes and Pogba are they going to be your best pressers yeah they're just they're just not are they whereas Foden yeah he could be is he City's best presser maybe he is maybe he is and like that and that's that's kind of where that that patience comes from as well because it's not like you know if it's Firmino Mane Mane and, and Salah you might not have that patience I mean you've got to try and be calm and that's why City was so good at, at, the, at Anfield earlier in the season. Because they were very calm in the face of that pressure. But that patience, which you have to have, you're not going to have the opportunities to do it because you might be getting pressed into giving the ball away through a throw-in or turning the ball over because Liverpool are so good at it. United just aren't. Yeah. So it was, an admi- it was an admirable attempt from United. But it was never really going to be sustainable, I suppose. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. I was going to do a bit on Grealish, but we'll we'll pause that for a second because uh, we've, we've talked a little bit about Foden and I wanted to talk about him as well. Um... I, I just thought there was a nice little uh, kind of mirror image between his performance in this game and his performance in uh, the first derby in the in, in the season, mm-hmm. um, because it, it almost shows how much he's matured this season. Um, given that he's almost like the de facto go to false nine at the moment, and at Old Trafford he was very much a wide player, keep the width, you know, hold Wambasaka, and you know, cause cause problems. Um, this was this is what Guardiola said about Foden after the game. Listen, the, the most difficult position in football is the striker because you're surrounded for two players there, the spaces are Mina, and in front you have a two holding midfielders and times three holding midfielders, surrounded for five people. So you have time, you have to be so smooth and, and good. And But in that position, to have to find him in the right moment, the decisive moment, the second, second goal was excellent, the control and the finishing. He was a little bit impatient in the final third, in the moment when we shoot in the second half. He had to make an extra pass. If you don't see the clear, the shoot. Take one second more, two seconds more. Have ability to dribble even 
keeper or central defender in the byline. But the way he fought and ran and pressed and the rhythm he helped us to. When Kevin and Bernardo and, and Kevin go in the first action so aggressive, it's like a, it's addictive for the, the players are behind. And, and we can stay high and we can stay, you know, there. And the second half was, was a perfect example of that. A perfect example. I love that, Sam. Uh, just that 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 little kind of um, when uh, and it's right because because the fans feel it as well when you watch Foden charging around and pressing in the way he was in that second half, it is addictive and it and you can see like it felt all the time like United were on the verge of losing the ball because of that energy. Yeah, because yeah. yeah, and it's like, but it, this is why it's so intelligent. I think because when I was looking at it, even like in the last fifteen minutes while I've been watching the game and and talking here, you think okay. In terms of the pressure, are they all are they all going that fast? But they're not. You know, Foden will lead it. Foden will force that kind of hurry from the United defenders. But like I say, Grealish won't be up there, and it's not because Grealish is being lazy. It's because Grealish is waiting. And then as soon as the ball goes there, then Grealish will do his job because he's he's making sure he's in the right position. So it's so intelligent how they do it. But yeah, in terms of in terms of Foden, can I, can I just say quickly? We we talked about Foden after Norwich, didn't we? Yeah. And the whole idea was. People, you know, started to say, and you know, I started to think during the game, but a bit before Norwich, how is Foden's season going? What, what is he doing? And then obviously, we we came to the conclusion, or I came to the conclusion, that maybe it's because he's not doing the eye catching stuff as a false nine, um, you know. But you've, he's still doing all the really difficult stuff that Guardiola cherishes, and and that's why it's really important. But maybe he's not going to win Player of the Year because, you know, we don't realise how important the false nine is because he's not that flashy compared to, you know, being on the wing and scoring loads of goals and skinning people. And obviously I asked Guardiola about that after Norwich and he was like, no, I completely disagree. <laughs> it's the opposite. You know, you still get opportunities to score goals and assists. Um, but yeah, basically, like, you're absolutely wrong. And then twice since, including what you've just played there, him talking about how difficult it is to play as a striker because there's so many men and you've got, you got to appreciate <laughs> the spaces. I'm like, fuck off, honestly. Like, give me something. And like, fine, like, maybe he thinks I'm a dick. Maybe he just doesn't want to, you know, maybe he's, He's in the mood when he gets asked so many stupid questions. He's just like, oh, "No, another one." You know, I can't be asked with this. I'm just going to disagree. Um, uh, yeah, or, or maybe may, may, maybe my wording was he disagreed with my wording, but actually, what I had in my head was different or something. Yeah, but I mean, but anyway, I think if he'd have given the answer to what I asked at Norwich, it would have been easier to make the point and to bring it back around to the game yesterday. It would have been easier to make that point of no, Foden's not having a bad season at all. All these things he's doing are very difficult. And I think Guardiola articulated that yesterday. And in terms of the difference between the first derby and the second, I don't know. I mean, do you, do you think, I mean, do you mean he's more, you know, he's trusted more so he can be in the middle now rather yeah. than on the wing? I, I just, I don't know. I, maybe, maybe. I just think the way the City team works, you know, he could have played on the wing yesterday and he could have played, look, I'm going to say Bernardo, Gundogan and, and De Bruyne and people are going to go, no, we fucking couldn't because it hasn't really worked <laughs> recently. But if you think back to the derby when none of them were a striker, you know, Bernardo was still in midfield, really. None of them were a striker. They were just all there and they were pulling the strings. It worked brilliantly. It worked very well against Leicester. But let's just say in the first half on Boxing Day. So it could work. So I just think with, with Foden, like a lot of the City players, probably all of them, it just shows how good he is and how good they are that they could have played in different positions yesterday and quite possibly had the same the same result. So I don't know if it's a kind of Foden maturation between November and March. I mean, it may well be. Um, I just think it's like you can do several things 
to a high, high standard. And this is the specific one I want you to do today. Yeah. And I mean, I mean, maybe it was a bit of both, you know, maybe it was a false nine earlier in the season, but still not playing brilliantly, you know, still a bit imprecise. And I think if you think about the two shots he had yesterday, because you know, it, it was like he had two against United at Old Trafford as well, didn't he? And we know he can drill that ball into the bottom corner. And it will just stay you know, beside netting, just inside the post. I can't think of a goal where he's done that, but I know he has. Allison, he, he always seems yes. to beat Allison like yes. that. that, that it's like the only way he beats. He's he's the player that's beaten Allison more times than anyone else in the Premier League, and it, right. it like it, it feels like that's the goal that he scores every time. Right. Okay. Well, yeah. Yes. So one Anfield. That's it. But it's like the ones against. He's had four against United, and he's just dragged them either just wide, a bit off, or like yesterday they were they were way off, weren't they? So maybe there's a, a bit of an element of, he's a bit less precise when it comes to those moments. Um, but overall he is doing a harder job, a harder job to shine, but he's doing it phenomenally well. And I think at the moment, I think it's easier to look at him and appreciate it and say, yeah, this this is it, this this is it. And I mean, if he adds, I'm not, I'm not going to say it, but if you, if you were to add those <laughs> goals, you wouldn't need a striker. Because he can do the lot. Like yeah. if if he would if he were to be that lethal in the box, and I'm sure he's he's not bad in the air, you know. Like I remember against Brentford, he scored and it was offside. Brentford away, but it was some header. And that one yesterday where he adju- adju- adjusted quickly, it came at him really quickly. The cross wasn't for him. You know, he flicked it and it looped all the way. Oh, the, the bar. It was yeah. like that's a hell of an effort to do that. I mean, I, I'm not saying he's he's a monster in the air, but he's not bad. I mean, he's not going to, he's not going to be, you know, jumping above Carl Walker in the last minute, like, like Kane did, you know, that is the difference. But if, if he adds these, if he, if he finds that bottom corner, 50% more, 60% more than he's doing at the minute, like you've got a hell of a, a hell of a prospect there. But if he do sign a, sign a striker in the summer, you know, he can just go back to playing on the left. And like I say, he's, he's excellent at that anyway. And, and he'll, he'll do very well there. And he may well win player of the year from that position because he'll be able to skin people and, and score goals that, that catch the eye a bit more rather than the kind of the hard work that he, the that he does ones the that he's got like against Everton where he's oh the ball's in the box I'll just tap it around the keeper take him out of the game knock it in thanks for coming yeah like they, they're obviously very technically difficult to do and it shows how composed he is but um, it's obviously not the same as when he scored that goal against Brighton I know I said before at some stage he's going to score the best goal ever and like somebody tweeted it yesterday with in the build up, I think it was the one in the build up to the De Bruyne goal, you know, where he kind of flicked it over Maguire, yeah. was it? And then had the shot, and hey, I made that really good save. Um, like I, I do feel like that is going to happen, he is building up to it. But like that goal he scored against Brighton a couple of seasons ago, <laughs> it's got to be up there already. Yeah, like, it's such an underrated goal because obviously City went up on to lose that game, and Cancelo got sent off, and it was the end of the season, the title was already done, and blah blah blah. I think that was the right season. Anyway, the title, yeah. you know, it wasn't, it, it, was, it wasn't a big game season, anyway. Yeah. yeah, it wasn't a big game anyway. It kind of gets overlooked, but I mean, just that goal is unbelievable. Like that, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> he, he can do it all basically is what I'm saying. And yeah. we, we saw that we saw yesterday exactly how you play as a false nine, really. I suppose Guardiola said he was a bit impatient in those moments, but like the whole team, they just tightened up in that in the second half, didn't they? And that's why. And the other reason I was going to say as well, in terms of what, what changed, what made it different, so obviously City had kind of established this stranglehold via being a bit more patient, maybe the pressing as well. But it was obvious, wasn't it? Like if City scored the third goal here, United are done. Yeah, I remember saying, like obviously they were saying that on commentary. Everybody could have said it. Like it, it, I'm not saying it's it's masterful insight, but I said it like because I was watching it with my wife and with my mom as well. And then when they did score, Amy was like, "Oh yeah, you can see. Like look at the United players. 
they're just done in now. That's it. And I think that, you know, that that's how that helps why as well. You know, after that, the third goal, it was just like, yeah, okay, City can do what they want now because by that point, United, they just gone completely. Yeah. Um, but on Grealish, Sam, who I thought, uh, again, was yes. excellent. Um, Guardiola said recently, uh, I can't remember, it was ahead of one of the games, I can't remember which one it was, but it's uh, that players shouldn't be focused on their numbers, like goals yeah, and assists. Yeah, before Peter uh, Yeah, um, and it was, uh, it, it was kind of, I, I couldn't decide if it was uh, something that was aimed at Grealish and kind of basically don't beat yourself no, up about that, or if it was aimed at the people analysing um, Grealish. Was, was that what it was? Um, well, the question was, Greedis gave an interview recently and he said he needs to get more goals and assists. And Pep was like, I will tell you. Like, I will tell you and I will tell him. Like, it do- that doesn't matter. People are too focused on that. You know, you can you can still have a good game and do your job for the team without getting goals and assists. Right. And that was his point. And, and it was a kind of, it was a, it was a message to both, really. Like, anybody who's saying, oh, this guy, 100 million, and he's only done this, forget it. Which is what I've always said. Like, yeah. Well, he's, just, he's doing a job for the team, but obviously he's like he, he goes. He said he would also tell Grealish that himself. Yeah, so that's what that's what it was, right? Because because I thought this game in particular was a perfect example of that. Because I thought he was a key reason for City opening up space. I thought he had a real big shout in that game for uh, player of the match. I don't know who got it in the end, um, but yeah, those combinations uh, with De Bruyne, uh, I presume, was it? Yeah, probably De Bruyne, um, but I can't remember from from uh, being in the ground. Um, Combinations uh, between Grealish, Bernardo, and Foden down the left—they were the ones that were that were really opening up United in that first half. Um, but he himself, in his performance, zero goals, zero assists. So like, yeah. it doesn't—it just doesn't show in the stats like that. But he was one exactly. of the best players on the pitch. Yeah, although it kind of helps, doesn't it? Because City won four-one, and it's also yeah. a very emotional victory. It's a very impressive victory. And, may, and maybe I'm wrong here, but it feels like it's easier to give credit when everyone's happy. Everyone's. Everyone can see that a, a good job has been done against a, t- a team that you know you love to beat and all this kind of stuff. But I think you, like Guardiola could say he probably had a better game against, let's say, for argument's sake. And th- I might be wrong, but just to try and make a point, Guardiola might say he was better against Southampton away. You know, when everyone was saying Greenwich didn't, didn't do that well, yeah. he might say, well, because Southampton was so deep and so compact, he had less space to work in. He did this job that I needed him to do, and he did it very well. But I think, obviously, maybe that's not the case, but I'm, I'm sure that Guardiola will have, will have said all season, he is doing these jobs. Like, okay, he's not scoring, he's, he's not getting assists, but he is doing these jobs. Um, it's just, you know, it's not that eye-catching, and obviously he's, he's missed chances as well. Um, I, I, yeah, I, I'm just sure that he is he is doing what he, he needs to do, um, which I think is pretty impressive considering it's his first season. So yeah, like I, I've all, like, I've always said, I'm like I'm not even. Like, I remember I did the radio after the Southampton game, and I was like, I don't even want to have this conversation. I think somebody called in, and I or, or maybe there was some kind of talking point about about Grealish afterwards. And going back to what I was saying earlier, it's it's harder to kind of appreciate that when. City have drawn or dropped points, and you go, oh, I don't know. But I think it, it was a bit easier to appreciate his performance yesterday. And obviously, he did play very well, but I think he's played very well in in other games when he hasn't got the praise. But I'd, yeah, I remember saying on the radio, I don't, I don't even see the point in having this conversation. Now, what's the point in debating? Oh, is he going to be good? Is he going to be just, just fuck it, just wait. Like we can wait. We don't have, like we don't have to have, um, we don't have to form our opinions yeah, now, unless the opinion now. is yeah. let's just wait and see. Like, all right, maybe this. Give it twelve months, and if he, if he, if we, st- if they're still kind of, we feel like a question needs to be asked, then maybe we'll have the conversation. But what's the point? So it's like when I tweeted yesterday. I'd love to know why Guardiola picked Sterling above uh, 
Grealish above Sterling. And I was like, look, this isn't, I'm not saying in any way that, he sh- that he's made the wrong decision or should have done something else. Like, I just want I just want to know because it would tell me what Guardiola wants from the game because presumably it was, uh, you know, we want Grealish because he can keep hold of the ball and it's more control, which obviously would be my number one guess anyway, even if I'm wrong. But I was like, yeah, you could argue that you could play Gundogan instead of De Bruyne then for that if you wanted control. But then maybe he'd say, oh, well, with, with De Bruyne, you know, he, you know, I suppose the answer is he could pop up in the box and scores two goals. But so can Gundogan, to be fair. So I just thought it'd be interesting to know what Guardiola's thinking is and not like the kind of press conference, pre-match Sky interview thinking, but like the real talking to Juan Malio. Yeah. You know, like why why does he want this? What does he want the game to be? Why does he want control in this area, but De Bruyne there for a bit more you know, and like maybe we could, maybe we could come up with the answers ourselves, but like I would genuinely like to know. And then obviously some people were tweeting me afterwards, going, "Oh, this age well, didn't it?" I was like, "I wasn't saying Greenley shouldn't play." Like, <laughs> like at no season have I even criticised him. Like I've even said like there's no even there's not even any point criticising him, even if he hasn't played well. Who gives a shit? Like it's too early. Like it, it's it's pointless doing it. Um, so I just kind of wanted to talk about that. But yeah, I, I just think Greenish is is very good. Um, and like, like I mentioned with the Mahrez thing earlier on. People were saying exactly the same thing about Mahrez. Yeah. Um, yeah. And look at him now. And I mean, I, I can't say with certainty that Grealish is going to be flying in a year or 18 months or, or two years. But I think, if I mean, if you had to look at this, if you had to look at all the available evidence and all the players that you've signed over the years and how, and how, how Grealish how is actually works. playing, yeah. you, you, know, you surely you'd have to go, yeah, okay, he's probably going to be amazing. Like, cause, yeah. Well, I mean, even, even if you take Mares as the example, I feel like Mar- like uh, Grealish's first season has been better than Mares's first season. Yeah, I think I think I comfortably Co- like wrong, like but, by some distance. Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think. Even Sane, Bernardo. I know Sane was very good towards the end of his first season, wasn't he? Like, he was basically not there for the first bit, but then great in the end. But I think yeah. Grealish has been probably more consistent. And anyway, like he's, he, I think he's like I said, he's been he's had a very good first season. I suppose people who maybe still aren't sure about Grealish, because I'm sure even though he played well yesterday, and like everyone considers him to have played well yesterday, I'm sure that won't change too many opinions because people might still not be sure about him. And maybe they'll say, well, look, Mahrez always kind of. I suppose what I'm getting at is. There's always stories about Grealish going out, and maybe people are going to say, "Well, he needs to sort that out." And Mahrez never really had that, as far as we know. And you know, Mahrez may be more professional or whatever, but I'm just kind of acknowledging that other view that probably exists. It may not exist, but I think it's it's possible that people are thinking that. But I I do think looking at all the all the different factors, and I think Grealish is desperate to succeed as well. I think you see it, don't you? Like. So how happy he was to score that goal against Peterborough, and I mean how happy he was to score that goal against Leeds. Like you can tell, it's really weighing on his mind. And so when Guardiola saying, "Look, it's not all about goals and assists," like Grealish is obviously thinking, "I need to do this more. I need to do this yeah. more. I need to be more decisive." But Guardiola is obviously telling him, "Look, you're doing all these other things, great." But you can tell how much he wants to succeed, and I think that desperation is there. There is a humility there. You know, the way he talked about De Bruyne and the other players when he signs, you know, he's like, you're more expensive than all of them. And obviously this doesn't, that doesn't matter. That shouldn't necessarily matter. But you're a hundred million pound player, mate. Like other hundred million pound players could come in and they're not going to talk about other players as if they're idols. Do you know what I mean? You might say, oh yeah, they play great football. But he's just, I think he is very humble and he is very committed to making it work. So with all those other factors that I've already mentioned, I'm sure he's going to be great, and I've I've never I've never really questioned him for a minute. Maybe I should have, but I haven't. And I, I just think, 
we'll see the we'll see the best of him for sure. And it'll be you know it'll be a hell of a player. You know, if people thought he was amazing at Villa, I mean, just you wait, lads. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, he's not sorry he's not playing on the break and skinning four people, but it's a different game now. And yeah. He's doing it. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's uh, finish the derby talk with uh, a bit on Mares. Uh, two goals to finish. Um, again, proving crucial in the goal scoring stakes. Comfortably, City's leading scorer and, and uh, kind of most reliable scorer at the moment. It yeah. feels like absolutely, absolutely. Um, and it was funny because um, I was, I was so a mate of mine couldn't couldn't see the game, and he he likes me to kind of keep him involved in what's happening in it, not just like oh yeah, one nil, one all, but I like kind of try and give an idea of what's happening. And he knows his stuff, so it's like I, I kind of need to to be on it. Um, and when I was, it was must have been about two one, half an hour in, and City were just kind of, I wouldn't say necessarily establishing their dominance by that point. But I was like, Myers must have touched the ball four times, mate. Like, he's just, he's just not been involved. I wasn't going to tweet that because people started to think, oh, you have to go Myers. But it was just they weren't going down his side. Like, what can he do? And he said in his interview as well, he goes, I must have had four touches in thirty minutes. And I was like, yeah. Like really, and Sky had that graphic, didn't they? Where like sixty odd percent of their attacks were, of City's attacks were going down, down the, the left. left, yeah, and like fifteen percent were down the right. And it, and like my mate was like, "Is this conscious? Do you reckon, or or is it just like are they being forced that way?" I was like, "No, no, it's definitely conscious." Like the amount of times, well, it happened two or three times, maybe even just twice. But De Bruyne and Walker had the ball in those kind of inside right positions, just near the semicircle, and they just pinged it out towards Grealish. One of the De Bruyne ones was phenomenal, by the way. Yeah, it was obvious that they were just trying to work that. And that's what, you know, five minutes in, you know, United were kind of on top for the first five minutes. And then as soon as, and Bernardo was very deep to try and help, help the build up. But as soon as he had that opportunity to kind of snake his way up into the inside channel and link up with Grealish and Foden. Suddenly then, they, they kept being a three on two on the left, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. exactly. And then we saw with the, with the De Bruyne goals and another thing, you know, I saw a screenshot on Twitter. I think it was for De Bruyne. Hmm, it must've been the first. I think it was the first. Um, the De Bruyne was in that big space and I think it was maybe Lindelof and Tellez pointing at him as in like pick him up and I think at half time Michael Richards was like oh Tellez has got to do better but to be fair Tellez he had Myers behind him and look who's played who's played fullback in the Premier League My, me or Michael Richards so he <laughs> knows what he's talking about right but I'm thinking if that cross had been stood up to the back post and Myers banged it in you'd be saying Tellez is you could say Tell us a mistake by yeah. going to, yeah, and and it goes back to, so they're pointing at him. They're pointing at De Bruyne, saying he's free, he's free. And who are the players out who who could feasibly attract him? It's Sancho, Elanga, Bruno, and Pogba. Again, they're not the players that are going to be thinking, 
he's my man. And like they shouldn't necessarily be thinking he's my man. They're, they're the wingers. They're the players who need to combine on the counter-attack, which they did for their goal. So I don't think City did badly for the United goal. I think United just played it well, which is like the Spurs game the other week. Like, in, in Well, there was bad defending from Spurs, but they also did play very well. United yesterday just played that goal very well, and that's what they were looking for. And then, But then you think, where are McTominay and Fred? And they'd been pulled over towards the left side, City's left side. And I'm, I'm sure that's what Guardiola's saying. I'm, you can't be certain, but it, it seems like the classic Guardiola thing of if you get the ball over here and you do this, you'll drag them there. And then Kevin can come in here. And there's space. Free, and, and, they, and that's what happened after five minutes. And it was the first attack. But they had that opportunity to do it. And they linked up over there on the left and poor old Mares traffic cone for the first 45 minutes, an hour maybe. Um, but just incredibly decisive. And I'm glad that goal. It's a shame... Like obviously, it's a shame. Ultimately, you'll say no VAR. But the linesman gave it onside anyway, which is a perfect world. So you have to give VAR credit for allowing the goal because I don't think anybody would have given that in real time. Everybody would have said it was offside. But it's a shame. Like the celebrations were just cut short, and then it was like two minutes of waiting, and then it was like, oh yeah, that's a good goal. Because obviously, if you if you take that big break out of it, that would have been a full on party time celebration. Yeah. Although, in fairness, you could tell after the game. Like I said, I couldn't go. You could tell after the game. I mean, you you obviously saw it in the ground. Well, you, you tell me like how how good was it? Because I've always been planning to ask you today. How good was it to actually win a derby at home? But given you know they should have won every game like that over the last five years, and they haven't. But obviously, with that party atmosphere as well, I mean that must have been pretty. Yeah, the relief that it was the relief I think of um, City have turned up for a home derby. Um, okay. because it, it's felt like they haven't for a while. But, I mean, we haven't been in. When when was the last time we were in the stadium for one? 2019 or so? Um, so it's been a while anyway. But yeah. the the atmosphere was fantastic. It was one of the best atmospheres I felt at the Etihad in, in, in a long time. Um, and it was, it, it was, it, it felt a little bit nervy kind of start the second half, end of the first half, start the second half. But you could tell City were, were taking control of the game and, and people were starting to relax a little bit. Um, even before they scored to make it 3-1 uh, in the in the second half, it was, right, City are on this and City are, uh, and, and City are doing it. And you could feel kind of, you could feel that energy from, like when I said about the Foden press earlier on, that energy was was kind of being transferred to the crowd, and the crowd were kind of giving it back. And it felt like mm. a, a one, it felt like a situation where the team were playing up because of the crowd, and the crowd were playing up because of the team. And it just continues to to kind of spike in that second half like that. Um, and then the goals go in at the end, and and yeah, it was it was it was a it was a proper party by the end of it. That Cancelo bicycle kick. I know. I, I, I tweeted. Imagine if that had gone in. My, oh. my, I'd have I'd have I'd have been on the pitch. I think you know just. I can't. I can't explain how mu- how how much of a spoil sport David de Gea is for pushing that one away. He should have just let it in. That's how good it was. Well, that's another thing that Mara said afterwards, wasn't it? Like, because he goes, I went high because I knew he's good on the ground and he's frustratingly good at low saves, isn't he, de Gea? Like the the fact that obviously De Bruyne's goal came from it, but not many. I don't think many goalkeepers. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't think many goalkeepers would have saved that Foden effort initially, and like, the, the amount of shots that that teams have and I think even City had yesterday and you think oh that's, go- that's going in and he just makes a really good low save yeah. so obviously for Mahrez to obviously he's, look, Premier League footballers are intelligent enough to know this but obviously him him running through and having that composure 
to, to yeah. ch- I'll just I'll just whack it in off his face. That's what I'll do. Yeah. <laughs> well, just just to have the composure to think. Okay, well, I'm through on goal here. Yeah, maybe he's thinking. Maybe I'm offside. You know, it's it's a derby. Blah blah blah. Oh, I need to go. I need to go high rather than low. It's all happening very quickly. That's great composure, and I think that's it's, it's possibly not composure, which is probably why he's he's top scorer at the moment and has been for the last well since the start of last year. Probably because he's got that kind of composure that not all of the forwards do have. He's probably got the most actually. Um, and yeah, like he, he's getting full credit now, isn't he? Like I think, I think it's only really taken up until the last couple of months. But he maybe because of the penalties as well. But yeah. he's really getting he's really getting that full. This is a this is a top player kind of credit which he hasn't always had. And also, I mean, all in fairness, hasn't always deserved as well. But this is this has been his journey at City now. You know, it, it, it wasn't easy for him initially, but. He's, he's absolutely, absolutely fine now. Yeah. And like I said, with that interview, when he said, you know, we had more patience control, you know, he's he's 100% on the same page as everybody else. Yeah. Um, I just want to give a shout out to uh, Michael Richards to finish our, our Derby coverage, Sam, because um, I, you won't have known this uh, in, in the end then, because uh, the South Stand started celebrating the fourth goal before the referee had uh, made the signal to say that it, it was given. Um and it turns out the reason for this is because uh, the Sky Studio was at the back of the of the South Stand, uh, and Michael Richards started celebrating because the image came on their screen that it was onside to show that the fourth goal was being given. The South Stand starts celebrating, and in that moment, that's at the same time that the VAR is currently telling the referee, "Oh no, it's onside. You need to give this one." Um, so it was it was the first time I've ever seen fans in the ground know the outcome of a VAR call before the referee on the field. And it was just really nice to... like the, the way it spread around the stadium was really nice. That's good. I didn't notice. I didn't even kind of hear it on TV because you can kind of hear... You can, you can pick up on those things, can't you? Like little things in the crowd that where something spreads. Normally, you know, it's the last game of the season. Is there been a goal elsewhere? I didn't I didn't pick up on that. And I didn't know that until you, you made the yeah. note of it. So it was just like it spread like 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 wildfire from the South Stand round the sides to the to uh, to everybody else and then um the referee did the did the signal and pointed to the, the centre circle. And the the idea that Richards is still like celebrating in the Sky Studio and stuff as well. I'm sure people I'm sure people love that. Did it get really out of hand on on Sky after the game? Because I didn't see it, but I just knew the way that Neville was talking and I knew that there was going to be a story about Ronaldo being in Portugal. I was like, this is all just geared up to be another United inquest, isn't it? I and, I haven't watched it. I mean, it, I, so, I get yeah, it. I, I just, yeah. But Sky love that, don't they? Sky love a, a United inquest. Like, it, part of me wonders a bit. Part, part of me likes a United inquest as well, though, to be honest. Well, so, mate, so. like, <laughs> honestly, it, means, it means something's going right from our honestly, point Honestly, mate, I've, I've, I've watched games before and, you know, if people listen to this for the first time thinking, I'm going to listen to this dickhead, see what he said. Like, people listen to this, think I'm a United fan. Like, I, I'm genuinely not asked anymore. Like, that's been so clear for so long. And that was actually the funny thing about watching the game yesterday. It was the first time I watched Manchester Derby with my mom since, you know, not really caring whether United win or not. And I was like, this could be quite awkward, you know, because I, I make noises during City games and it's not necessarily because it's like, oh, I want City to score there or whatever. But I, I enjoy, I enjoy kind of good football. And sometimes I'll, sometimes I'll do it if it's bad defending from the other team or if the other team do something really good. I'll be like, oh, but I was like, if I make a kind of, or if I'd like, you kind of say, oh, you, the amount of times City arrive, shall we say, arrive and don't score, and you think, oh, that could really hurt you. Like, Sometimes that annoys me. I'm like, if I do that against United, my mum's going to be like, oh, come on. Like, she knows, she, she, it's, been a, it's been a long time since she stopped sending me messages after United. Which, <laughs> she, know, she knows the score, but I thought watching the derby is a new one. But I was, I, was, one, yeah. I was just very kind of calm about it. But um, 
I always think of one of your tweets. Uh, I can't. It was one of the games earlier this season uh, where they played it out brilliantly from the back, and I was watching on TV at home, and uh, you just tweeted, "Please score!" Yeah, because I th- yeah, I think that was Norwich because it was one of those where they they pinball it around so quickly, and you think this is never getting under control, or maybe they're going to nick the ball and score. And all of a sudden they're out and there's like four players darting towards the box. You think, oh, this would be so good. And it's a bit like, that was the beauty of the Pinado goal against against Villa, really. Because you yeah. you've got time for it to, to unravel and you just think this would be amazing. And then obviously it is. But yeah, in terms of the United inquest on Sky, I don't get, I, like, I think I tweeted once. It was maybe after, am I right in the time in here? After the, the Manchester derby in November, obviously, which was a couple of weeks after Liverpool beat United 5-0. And I think there was an international break afterwards. And I think I tweeted, "Can can Sky put in another United inquest next week just to keep us taking <laughs> over?" Like it, it's like I, I've 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 watched United games before, thinking, "Let's just get this out of the way and, and crack on with the inquest," because yeah. it's generally like it, it is really entertaining. And like you said, like you you like them because it shows things are going well from a City point of view, whether United are, are playing City or not. But I, I mean, just think now, I was like, "Is this just? Is this just played up?" Because obviously, people like enjoy watching enjoy watching it you know it is it is good telly um but didn't like richards and and neville have a bit of an argument yesterday i just think i i yeah i just I've think not, it's slightly hammed it, up so, yeah. I, I might be wrong i've not seen it but i just think it's slightly hammed up now like but the way neville and look i get it because neville's obviously passionate about united so if he sees him getting scored by city he's not going to be happy but the way the last t- kind of 10 minutes five minutes played out in terms of the commentary i was like oh it's going to be all about united being shit again then is it i mean they i think they they obviously did give city the credit of this is what they did. This is what they were really good at. Here's the players. Here's the manager. But then it was like, right, let's crack on with we're talking about our shit United are. But this is why I'm always saying I'm glad I don't cover United. What else could you say? Like, yeah. What new could possibly be said about United at this point? Yeah, you say like, you watch by those inquests, though, so that's the. Uh, but it's that's, just that's it's the same. It's just the same thing. Like the, the problems are the same. They'll always they'll always be the same. Like, but I, don't, I, I I'm so glad I don't have to write about them every week, honestly, because. It'll yeah. be the same thing for like five years. And that brings us to the end of this week's Why Always Us. Thanks as ever to Sam Lee. Thank you very much. Nice to talk about, well, a, a, a good a, a, a good A derby win. win. And a derby, <laughs> I mean, yeah, a derby win at the Etihad because, yeah, that I could, I, when I heard when I heard that record recently, the one win in however many years, I just thought, nah, this has got to be put right. And yeah, they did and it. It was, it's a fair yeah. play. There we go. Uh, don't forget, you can sign up to The Athletic right now for £1 a month for six months. Just use the code MANCITYPOD. The Athletic.